Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in John chapter 2. And before we start reading, let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for today and thank you for your word. Thank you for building us up in your word each and every day. I'm grateful for the way you provide and the way you take care of us. And Lord, I just lift up this time. I pray, Holy Spirit, for you to guide us. I truly just submit to you and ask that you would speak through me what you want us to know. I pray you touch our hearts, work with us, open our minds and our spirits to your message. I pray, Father, there would be nothing from me but everything from you. I'm very grateful for this wonderful day, and I just thank you for the life you've given me. I pray that you would help us take care of us and help us to learn more about you so that we can love you with our whole being and love our neighbor as ourselves. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's just go ahead and jump right on in. It's a fairly short chapter. On the third day, a a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best for for now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. Verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again. In three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. 
After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. So, there's a lot of areas and ways to go with this. I was reading Spurgeon, and one of the things that he really focused on was, Jesus, in his very first miracle, didn't do anything vengeful. In fact, he did, he did something that represented that the best is yet to come. Spurgeon writes it this way, But beloved, the text still stands true of us. There is better wine to come. We are, in our, we are in our privileges superior to patriarchs and kings and prophets. God has given us a brighter and a clearer day than they had. Theirs was but the twilight of the morning compared with the noonday, which we enjoy. But think not that we are come to the best wine yet. There are more noble banquets for God's church, and who knoweth how long before the best of the precious wine shall be broached. So it's just going to get better. And Jesus did something that was even better. Then I also think about how I think about the Pharisees. And I normally in the past have been very critical of them in my heart, thinking, what idiots. But the reality is, is they didn't know any better. And they were really just, you know, focused on, it's been 400 plus years. They didn't know Jesus, and they were living their life just like me. I live my life, and I ignore, and I look past things that God does for me every day. My eyes aren't open, and neither were the Pharisees and the, and the leaders of the church or of the synagogue. So my heart is softened a lot towards them. And I also think, think on, man, I cannot stay faithful. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. I am a bad Christian. And so often, I sit here and I think about my shortcomings and my lack of faith. And then I read in verse 22, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So here's dudes who've been with him, seen miracle after miracle for three years. And there was still some lack of understanding and belief. So their faith was not unshakable, even though they, many of them died for, for their belief. The reality is, is the disciples still struggled, and it took them a while, and it continuously. You read constantly when they say, oh, then I believe, or then they believed. And lastly, what struck me as we were reading is when Jesus said, when it's in verse 24, where it says, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. If you think back in chapter one, well, he created the world. He created everything, including us. And he knows us. He knows what's inside each person. And despite that, Jesus 
still willingly came to this earth, became a person, lived a sinless life, and was the sacrifice, the atonement for us, for me. The guy whose faith is not always steady, the guy who swears too much and doesn't walk with God as much as and as well and as strong as he should, doesn't love God with all of his being because I know tomorrow I should, I should love him more. But instead, despite that, despite him knowing all of my, my failures, he still came to earth and died for me. He died for you. And he would do it again if it was required, but thankfully it's not. So I'm so grateful that he opens my heart and my mind to the fact that he loves me and he knows me and still loves me. So with that, let's go back to God in prayer. Lord, I don't know what to say at times. Why you love me? I don't know. But you do. You died for me. And you, your spirit dwells in me. And I'm grateful for that. And I pray, Father, that you would help me to live a spirit-filled life, to allow you to shine forth through me more effectively than I do now. I pray that I would do your will, speak your, your words, that others would see me and my actions and think of you. I thank you for the many opportunities that you've put in my life. And I lift up my family to you. I pray for my kids. I pray for my ex-wife. And I just pray for my nation, Lord. I pray that you would watch over all of them. And that you would help me to be a good dad, a good ex, and a good citizen. Father, I pray for you to be the center of my heart and my mind. I just thank you for all that you've done. And I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just the Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.